0: Off the Ball. Does Lampard understand what his role is here? Oh, well, I've only been here a couple of days. You? I can't sort out all the problems in that time. Are you still thinking, you're not here to sort out the problems? Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Off the Ball daily. Now, you're welcome, Max. So uh, I'm sure, as you saw at this stage, there was a 14-minute delay to the world's most famous horse race on Saturday. Police ultimately arrested 118 protesters, at least two of whom were successful in attaching themselves to fences and uh, causing the delay. A protest consisted of around 300 people. Not everybody get in over the uh, perimeters and they were part of the welfare group Animal Rising and they've promised similar protests to come in the months ahead and they've deemed their efforts a a great success. And certainly their actions have put animal welfare debates on the agenda. Uh, Just to give a sense of the coverage, uh, Mick Fitzgerald and AP McCoy, Grand National winning jockeys, both were on the ITV coverage with Ed Chamberlain and uh, they were critical, certainly, of what was happening. Have a listen.
1: These are horses that receive five star treatment
0: from the minute they're born to when they die. You know and that's what we a point we want to get across. These horses are unbelievably well cared for and in most instances probably better looked after than some people are. They're attention seekers, that's what they are. And unfortunately we're giving them attention because we're actually respecting them enough to let them get to take them off the track. Um, which we didn't sad. want to AP, but no, with, with the the delay no, to we, the race we've got we, to. We, we didn't. Ed, look, I didn't become a jockey because I wanted the Grand National. I said out this morning, I'll force this one blood. I've never rode a horse in my life, I'm not from a racing family. I got into I got into racing because I loved horses and I still have horses now that i retired. So um, you know, I, I think you know if these people had that much care for it, you know. They, as you said, they've never been disabled. They don't know. They, they have no real understanding of the horse, of how well they get looked after. These, and these we're trying to are our lives. There are lives, you know. And like tonight, when I go home, however long it takes I me, mean, whatever time I get home, my wife will be out there looking after them, and she will be first thing tomorrow morning. So, you know, it's a twenty-four-hour, seven-day-a-week job. Uh, Sandy Thompson, the trainer of now deceased. Horse Hill 16, he was on Talk Sport earlier on today talking about the death of Hill 16 that uh, fell at the first, hence, uh, first uh, fence, have a listen. I can understand it, but there's proper ways to do it and the proper way is not for them, this is actually by them, it's actually a publicity stunt. They're not actually, they're, if you look, go on their website, they're all about us all having a plant-based diet. So this, they've decided, to one of the biggest sporting events in the world, to 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 make people aware of who they are and you know it hasn't come out very well for them because they have definitely contributed to the death of a horse um that 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 argument will rage they will deny it um but you know we know our horses we know what happens the facts are there and uh, just a final piece of audio uh caught the ear I was about to say I caught the ear this morning Nicky Campbell uh, for instance on on 5 Live this has very much been big uh, talking point across the UK media uh, threw it out to listeners to give their views on the protests and on uh, racing have a listen Kevin in Manchester you kick off I sat down I watched the Grand National yeah and all a certain racing team was talking about on a certain channel yeah was the welfare of the horses yeah at home they're treated like millionaires they give them what they yeah. want, yeah. But the one point that everyone's missing is why don't they just lower the fences? Just lower The height of the fences and what them horses have to go through on that day, especially when it's a hot and warm day and the ground is absolutely rock hard, Yeah margaret what do you think i
1: don't like any horse racing at all i don't like the way they whip them to make them go faster i just think it's barbaric and i think it should be banned i I agree with the other gentleman, though lower the fences and fewer horses out there because i mean 40 horses all running at the same time they all want to get over them fences so there's going to be animals that are going to be killed or hurt i would not let my horse into the grand national because I think it's just for money.
0: Good morning to you, Tommy.
1: My point was uh, fairly simple. Um, I just felt that a lot of these horses are bred to race. So if it wasn't for racing, they, would, they wouldn't they would exist. Um, and also people were, were talking about um, it's all about money. Uh, I don't see what the problem is with making money because money is what makes the world good. So I don't see what the issue is with them making money. I would like to see them make it safer. But um, I don't see why it shouldn't continue.
0: Let me bring in Mark in Manchester as well. Hey, Nikki. My point was the the nature of the of the protest. I think since the Grand National fences were modified ten years or so ago, there've been nine renewals of the Grand National. And in those nine years, there've been seventeen falls or unseats to the first two fences, the most ever. Um, I think it was three in 2014, 2015. This year, there were eight falls or unseats to the first fence alone, including the fatality. I strongly believe that the protest and the nature and the timing of it was a contributing factor to that. I think it caused the horses to become unsettled settlerly race because of the delay. Look, everybody has a right to protest peacefully, but I think the untimely attempt to disrupt has done more harm than it did good. So an array of views there on Nicky Campbell's BBC radio show. Very happy to say, uh, journalist, broadcaster in the racing world, Lydia Islop, is with us on the show again. Lydia, really appreciate the time. Great to have you with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Can I just make a point about Animal Rising to start off? Please. They're an animal rights organisation as opposed to an animal welfare organisation. I do think that is relevant purely in terms of what their end game regarding animals and humans' relationship with with them is.
0: Okay. Do you want to draw the distinction?
1: Um well I think that an animal welfare group would be something like the RSPCA or World Horse w- Welfare, who see um that there is a place and a purpose for horses within sport. Um and animal rights, you know, are are more connected. So if you have a look at, at the animal rising um, websites. They, are, they wish to cease the use of animals for sport and entertainment and also for food. Um, and they have a, 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 an agenda of rewilding. I, I, mean, I say agenda in a, in a non-pejorative sense, um, a purpose um, of rewilding and, and veganism. So uh, my, my point is that they have wider, long-term, more sweeping objectives, which is in line with being an animal rights organisation, as opposed to an animal welfare organisation.
0: Fair enough point. And I know they've promised uh, further protests of this nature, uh, but not just at uh, racing tracks. They're also planning to go into uh, uh, animal uh, farms, I suppose, and and, uh, in in bids to, I suppose, to use their terminology, rescue uh, animals who've been bred for food. So they're planning more high profile events over the coming months, that's for sure. For people who didn't catch the coverage over the weekend, How much did ITV show of the protest? How was it covered across that 14 minute delay, Lydia? What did what did the millions at home see on their televisions?
1: Well, I have to make a confession that I was working at the same time for a racing TV channel, so I didn't see this live. I've since seen some um, excerpts from the ITV racing, but they would have have seen protesters trying to scale the fences outside the Grand National, um, using ladders to do so and attempting to attach themselves to some of the early fences. And they would also have seen uh, members of the police removing uh, those protesters uh, from the track.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was was, uh, AP McCoy and and Mick Fitzgerald, very critical. Uh, I did kind of laugh at the phrase attention seekers being used. I mean, yeah, (laughs) Uh, precisely. So, you know, that that was the point of the exercise. It seems to have succeeded. I mean, I played, obviously, even the, the, the BBC radio discussion and there are any number of articles which have been written, which wouldn't have been otherwise. So in that sense, I would think Animal Rising pretty happy with how the weekend went.
1: Well, I think they received a lot of publicity going into the race. And I think it was quite one sided as well, the debate going into the race. And I think that probably engendered a a larger impact and maybe more people attending to protest than might otherwise have been the case. But in terms of its impact on horse racing, um, in in terms of looking at the race and deciding uh, how to continually reduce the risk factor for participants that would be a process that would have happened anyway it happens day in day out uh, for british horse racing fallers and fatalities and the reasons for them are analyzed and it is that data scientific objective data is used in order to make changes you know for example fences can be recited as a result most recently um, exeter university did some research which has meant that the the sort of trimmings the dressings on on fences uh, have been changed from orange to white because uh, research has shown that Horses can see those obstacles better and therefore are more likely to jump them better. So as a result of what's happened uh, on Saturday, whether or not a protest had taken place, what the events before, during and after the Grand National would have been routinely analysed and any improvements to attempt to reduce risk would have been put forward. This is something that Aintree has got a track record of of, of continually doing, uh, in particular since um, the reviews in, in 2011 and the changes that were implemented from 2013.
0: It's worth also making the point for people who didn't see the race. Hill 16 fell at the first fence, first circuit. And so it would have been apparent to the millions uh, who maybe only just watched this one race a year and who had just seen the protest. It would have been apparent that something was very badly wrong with Hill 16. Um, so th- they would have been in no doubt as a viewing public that Hill 16 was in big trouble.
1: Yes. And I, I think it is um, fair to point out that there was a, a highly unusual number of uh, fallers over the first two um, fences. I need to correct one of the callers into Nikki Campbell's Show it wasn't eight departures at the first fence. It was over the first two fences. Uh, since the fence modifications in 2013, the most seen is one year. There were three over the co- over the combination of those two fences. Quite often it can be two. Sometimes it is zero. Um, so it's certainly there was an unusual number of fallers at the start, and it's a small sample size. Mm. Uh, but you have to feel that it points to something different having happened.
0: So that's the weekend, the broader conversation, which has uh, been ongoing for for some time, I'm curious for your sense of, uh, it'd be my feeling that the anti-horse racing lobby is, well, if not bigger, certainly louder in the UK and has been for a number of years. And and I would have detected, again, it's just uh, almost anecdotal as much as anything, but even on ITV's Cheltenham coverage around the Gold Cup, there was a faller. Ultimately, everything turned out to be well. But the, the palpable relief I felt, you know, on, on Ed Chamberlain's behalf and all of the commentary team's behalf, and just a general uh, sense of, 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 of nervousness on their part, and, and there were various pieces across the, the week to show uh, what, you know, the welfare of horses and how w- well horses were being looked after. It struck me as a. As a as a sport, uh, feeling the pressure and feeling under threat, Lydia. So, be curious for your sense of where horse racing is in the UK in 2023.
1: Well, in terms of you know relief where injury hasn't taken place, I think again that's a day out, day in, day out feeling from people who are lovers of the sport and participants in the sport. You know, you only have to go to a race course and see a, a racing crowd there, the, the people who have attended, and see them, you know, waiting to hear about news from the horse. I regularly get um, racing fans contacting me via Twitter if I'm um, on on television uh, broadcasting. They want to know about the, the welfare of the horse and, and to hear that the, the horse has, has been safe or else has been receiving um, veterinary care. And obviously there is... Top-flight veterinary care on all racecourses, and because of the number of runners at places such as Cheltenham and at Aintree, that number is 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 increased vastly in terms of the the veterinary um, support team. Um, but yes, I think. I think in general uh the the conversation that animal rising say that they wish to have which is um the human relationship with animals is something that is uh increasingly at the forefront i think of conversations amongst certain um certain areas of 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 our lives i think i think you're right in identifying that maybe britain um, has been having this conversation, and it's been getting louder for a little bit longer than Ireland. But I do think it, that Ireland will be will be heading that yeah. way as well. I think it's to do with the disassociation uh, with the rural world, the increasing urbanisation, potentially the um, the lack of familiarity with animals having a purpose as opposed to being um, a pet of some sort. And so I also think that social media, um, and uh, again, I mean this neutrally, has linked up like-minded people. We've seen that for good and for bad in lots of different areas around the world and that means that m- people who feel the same way can more readily connect and, and speak about, about racing and speak about uh, animal, animal welfare, animal rights. Just one other thing by yes, the way, Jeff, yeah. sorry, just to take us back to the national. Um, but a- Again, um, a caller mentioned lowering the fences, two callers did and uh, rock hard ground. Well, I mean it wasn't rock hard ground. The water is, uh, the ground is irrigated at a to make sure that it is on the softer side of good, and that is to that is a, a specific um, intention by Aintree to ensure that it slows the horses down, and you know that, that the, there is an increased risk the quicker the ground is. And for a long period of time now, as long as I can virtually remember, um, horse racing, particularly jump racing, has looked to take place on ground that is on the soft side again, as a factor in order to reduce the risk of injury. And in terms of lowering the fences, I'm afraid that that would actually have the opposite effect. If you imagine yourself running over a a series of obstacles, the bigger the obstacle is, the more you would have to slow down in order to negotiate it. And if you actually went quicker, that would be a risk of greater... I mean, the scientific data shows that in terms of horse racing, that would actually be a, a greater risk to the horse, not a lesser risk.
0: So, I mean, listening to you and it's it's a very uh, fair outlining of of racing's very sincere, I think, efforts to make the sport safer for the horses. There is probably just ultimately a pinch point whereby there's very little more that can be done and horses will still die. And and, and you got to the nub of the argument, perhaps when you said that they are work animals as opposed to uh, pets. Is it, would it be your if we were to try and predict the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, would it be your sense that attitudes will continue to veer away from horse racing and, and these animals have uh, been used as, as work animals and, and death is a very unfortunate but real consequence of that and that racing will find itself increasingly uh, marginalised? Do you see the direction of travel in that sense as, as pretty much uh, near impossible to turn around?
1: no i don't because i feel that there is a a positive message to impart and i don't feel that this has been done strongly and strategically enough by horse racing you know there are, on average there are about 90,000 runners per year in mm. british horse racing and 99.8% of them Complete without fatality. You know, race without any 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 kind of anything like that happening to them. And these are horses. Uh, you heard um, uh, Sir A P McCoy and Mick Fitzgerald talking about the level of care. This is often seen as some kind of cliche, but it's not. These are elite. Animals, elite athletes. And like humans would, they receive that level of specialist care, specialist exercise. It means that they are particularly well. They are very, very well looked after. And, you know, they, if we look at um, animals in the world and those that are very well cared for and those that are neglected and living miserably, it's not. The horses that are, are are bred for the task of, of racing, who are looked after by the sport, because I mean, the sport needs them to be happy, healthy horses, mm. because that's the fundament of the sport. If you compare that, these are horses that are, are animals that are well cared for. At the other end, it is it is daily neglect Often, through a lack of money or circumstances whereby an animal slips through the net, that is the area that I think that uh, people who are really genuinely interested in animal welfare should be focused upon and I think there's a, there's a lot more that that connects people who are concerned about animals and the racing industry than perhaps many of the protesters think because we, you know we in, in, in horse racing, you would not want. Suffering, life is the important thing, and these ninety-nine point eight percent of runners every year live happy, healthy, well-tended for lives, Mm. and that is where I think we should be focused on. And then at the same time, you say it's impossible to reduce reduce risk entirely. Well, there are some things that, that further things that can be done. I mean, that introduction of the the white trimmings, as I mentioned, to the to the hurdles and and uh, fences. That was just something that came forward from the Horse Welfare Board, which is an independently chaired body that look into how um, risk and uh, can be improved in, in, in horse racing and how um, horses fare from, in commas, cradle to, to grave. So there's a, a load of, of things that they are focused on, one of which is the jump racing risk model. And that has received funding. There's going to be close working with the Royal Veterinary College. That was agreed last December. Is going to be a project that looks into, I'm just checking my my facts here, they've already had a look at uh, data from the 1st of January to 2009 to the 31st of December 2018, and by the end of this season they'll be bringing it up to date. And that will be uh, the analysis, the scientific analysis of this by experts who are used to evaluating epidemiology, the specialists in this area, can bring about areas in which Risk is further reduced, and it may we may be at the point of marginal gains because you can't remove no. risk in sport in the same way as you can't remove risk in life. But the, the sport of horse racing is interested in making those marginal gains all the all the time that they can.
0: Where, in in your opinion, is the industry when it comes to horses that are no longer competitive and their treatment of those horses?
1: I think I think that we that that can be improved. I think it has been improved a great a great deal. Traceability has has improved quite a bit um, in recent years. Um, The problem comes when a horse immediately retires and then may move from person to person to person. But I I I think that that is an area that horse racing needs to focus on. I commend it for the work that it has done, the improvements that it's made. I mean, for example, the There was something of a myth that uh, racehorses couldn't be, you know, retrained to be uh, eventers or show jumpers or dressage horses or even happy hackers because they were just too high metal to be able to do that. Well, that myth has very much been dispelled by retraining of racehorses. In fact, it's quite the opposite because uh, racehorses are such um, in good health. Are such good athletes mm. and are used to being trained? They're actually really good candidates for a second life, a second and, career. And what,
0: maybe it's not possible to answer, Lydia, but if anyone knows, you would. What percentage of thoroughbred competitive horses do get a good second life, and what percentage either fall into neglect and or are simply just taken to the knacker's yard? To be blunt about it.
1: I don't know I think I think that this is this is an area which can be improved it has been in, improved by the microchipping of horses right. so they are more easily to be traceable but that is not a foolproof uh, foolproof thing at all so again I, I would say that this is an area that the sport needs to concentrate its funding and concentrate its ideas in and I'm encouraged to do so because again in the 5 year strategy uh, put forward by the horse welfare board um, a life well lived it specifically has elements where it talks about um, traceability, it talks about um, thoroughbred welfare database, Uh, it talks about aftercare and training and education. There are specific five-year plans Mm. to ensure that that, that horse racing improves in these areas and they are already underway. And I would urge the industry to redouble its efforts in those areas and to make sure that it's appropriately funded.
0: Yes, because as a final thought... uh... You know, even it's funny in The Guardian, one of the Animal Rising uh, spokespeople, Alex Lockwood, wrote a piece and as you say, they are an animal rights group. So he is every bit as concerned with the 1.2 billion animals which are bred and killed for food purposes as he is with racing. Now, and you you put that next to the callers we heard on BBC. I don't know what percentage of them go and buy their chicken and their meat in the local shop. I dare say quite a few do and will continue to do so because even though in their heart of hearts, they probably know the treatment of those animals hasn't always been pristine. They quite like their grub and they're going to keep Mm. doing that, Mm. whereas horse racing, it will cost nothing for them for that to be banned and maybe they feel better about it. And it's so emotive and they see the horse dying on their television screens. This is the great fight that horse racing has on its hands.
1: Yeah, and yet there is no comparison with that, is there? I mean, Not in
0: n- numerical terms, no.
1: You can't make an argument for the benefit of the animal about the the meat industry. I'm, not, I'm sorry,
0: oh, I'm no. not saying there wa- there isn't a hypocrisy at the heart of it, but it's no, just no, 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 not, its sorry. a reality that I think is there for horse racing and it will always be there.
1: I understand fully, fully yeah. what you're saying, and I think it, it's it's a fair point. But I suppose the you just have to point the reason of the argument. I mean, the best thing that the meat industry can say is that the animal involved has a good, albeit short, life. You know, that's the the best case scenario, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I say that as a meat eater. I'm not saying it critically. I'm just saying it as a as a fact. Yeah. Whereas in horse racing, these are animals who are bred for an athletic task, who are very well cared for and prepared. Prepared for that task. And the two things are just not comparable. But I I take your point in terms of how does it touch people? Mm. How easy for them is it to side with one argument or another? I think too easy. But one thing I would say is that Animal Rising have spoken about um, wanting to ban horse racing. Well, that would immediately put 50,000 thoroughbreds who are currently alive in Britain, um, 14,000 in training, the rest in stud farms and affiliate uh, premises, that would put them without a purpose. And who would take care of them and that is and they would fall into that most deleterious uh fate for all animals which is that of neglect mm. and living a miserable painful slow death essentially as opposed to the 99.8% horses who are terrifically well cared for, and also the other thing that Animal Rising have admitted is that they would they want to see one of the solutions to this is that they would want the breed to be stopped. So essentially, they're advocating the extinction of the thoroughbred. And it is fine to have those arguments. You know, I you know I, I, I fully support people's uh, right to make the argument to protest as long as they're not putting other people at risk. Um, but I do think it's the whole, to be honest with people. And I think if the public weigh the facts, the quality of life of these horses against the idea that they would be extinct, um, I I think if if more people realise that that is the end game of animal rights organisations such as Animal Rising, then I think that the argument would be less popular. So I think it's facts and I think it's objective scientific improvements and i think it's you know removing the um emotion from the arguments and having a look at what truly benefits the thoroughbred as a whole.
0: Lydia great to have you with us as always to get your perspective on it thanks so much.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me i really appreciate it and i really appreciated the the you know the full thoughtful conversation about it as well it's not rare it's quite rare that you get the opportunity to have that so i really appreciate it um, Thank not you. at
0: all no pleasure's ours lydia hislop with us racing broadcaster and journalist